Chapter Seven of the Fall River Tragedy by Edwin H. Porter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven. A reward offered. On the morning after the tragedy, the following notice was sent to the newspapers: quote, Five thousand dollars reward. The above reward will be paid to any one who may secure the arrest and conviction of the person or persons who occasioned the death of andrew j borden and his wife signed emma l borden and lizzie a borden here was an incentive calculated to invigorate the work of those who were bent on solving the great mystery but the police officers did not stop to read this announcement it was as plain as a pikestaff that they were not devoting their entire time and energies toward hunting up farmhands mysterious portuguese and westport horse traders yet it is an unquestionable fact that city marshal hilliard left no stone unturned to follow every clue of this kind to its end they all ended in smoke the hatchets which had been found in the cellar had been sent off to professor wood for critical examination and the public awaited with almost breathless anxiety the making of his report upon it depended much which would assist in clearing up the case after the bodies had been placed in the receiving vault at oak grove mr morse concluded to bury the clothing which the victims wore at the time of death he employed men to do the work under orders the clothing was interred in the yard back of the barn just after this incident mr morse locked the barn door with two boston reporters on the inside and when they demanded their release he found considerable fault with the liberties people were taking on the premises he was reminded that a reward of five thousand dollars had been offered and that therefore everybody was intensely interested on the same afternoon andrew j jennings an astute lawyer and a conservative man who had been employed by the mrs borden as before stated was questioned about the case he had no particular desire to talk about the family affairs of the bordens but he admitted that as far as he knew the murdered man left no will the estate would as a matter of course go to the daughters as to the crime itself mr jennings said quote, i have read many cases in books in newspapers and in fiction in novels and i never heard of a case as remarkable as this a most outrageous brutal crime perpetrated in midday in an open house on a prominent thoroughfare and absolutely motiveless the theory advanced these quarrels about wages and about the possession of stores and that sort of thing are simply ridiculous they do not offer a motive if it was shown that the thing was done during even such a quarrel in the heat of passion it would be different but to suppose that for such a matter a man will lie in wait or steal upon his victim while asleep and hack him to death is preposterous even with revenge in his heart the sight of the victim asleep would disarm most any man then for a man to enter commit the deed and escape without being discovered would be a remarkable combination of circumstances in answer to a question as to what he thought about the possibility of the murder being committed by a member of the family he replied quote, well there are but two women of the household and this man morse he accounts so satisfactorily for every hour of that morning showing him to be out of the house that there seems to be no ground to base a reasonable suspicion further than that he appeared on the scene almost immediately after the discovery 
from the outside and in the same clothes that he had worn in the morning now it is almost impossible that the frightful work could have been done without the clothes of the person who did it being bespattered with blood then came lizzie borden dressed in the same clothes she wore before the killing this together with the improbability that any woman could do such a piece of work makes the suspicion seem altogether irrational End quote. complication after complication arose as the facts in the case slowly came to light not a scream nor a groan was heard coming from the borden house that morning neither did the family living in the buffington house which stands next north of the borden house see anybody coming out on that morning except mr borden himself he left his home as had been stated about nine o'clock mrs churchill who lives with her mother mrs e p buffington across the yard watched mr borden go out there is a fence between the two houses and mrs buffington's kitchen windows look over the fence into the borden yard directly opposite the side door and not twenty-eight feet from the borden house the barn is but twenty feet behind the house and the distance from the east end of the house to the east end of the barn is not more than fifty feet behind the barn is a fence eight feet high protected by barbed wire this fence divides the borden estate from that of dr j b chagnon whose house fronts on third street on the rear of dr chagnon's place are half a dozen apple and pear trees that stand up against the fence which partitions the borden estate from that of dr chagnon on the south side of the borden house is dr kelly's residence a low fence stands between miss addie cheetham lives with her mother and mrs churchill with mrs buffington all these persons were about their own houses all of thursday morning miss cheetham sat writing a letter at ten o'clock and at ten fifty five went to the post office she saw no one come out of the borden house during the time she sat near the window fronting on the borden lawn she could hear the side door bang if it opened at all but it did not she says mrs churchill was about the house until ten fifteen when she went to the market to secure dinner she returned about ten fifty and it was perhaps twenty-five minutes later when she had occasion to go into the kitchen she looked out of the window and just at that moment lizzie borden pushed open the side door of her own house mrs churchill ran over to mrs borden's and just at that minute bridget who had been sent to summon dr bowen returned saying that she could not find the doctor mrs churchill went over to lou hall's sail loft where her hired man tom bowles was talking and asked him to run for dr chagnon bowles ran around the square to find the chagnon house locked up the family had that day gone to portucket and the hired girl was down street from ten thirty until nearly twelve o'clock bowles came back and while running up second street saw dr bowen driving in front of his office and then it was that the family physician was notified Bolle saw Bridget cleaning windows on the north and west side of the house early in the forenoon, but she was not in sight at 11.20. All the members of the Buffington household agreed that if there had been any scream from inside the Borden house, it would certainly have been heard by them. In Dr. Kelly's yard some men were working, and if the assassin proceeding on the theory that a man attempted to escape the fence at that place, he would perhaps have been seen by the labourers. 
he would also have to pass the barn where lizzie was provided of course he got out of the house between ten fifty five and eleven twenty if he jumped over the buffington fence he might have been seen by the inmates of the house and to try to escape by cutting his way over the kelly fence would have been to fall into the hands of the labourers it would have been dangerous for him to go out by the second street entrance for there are always passers-by on this thoroughfare as well as on third street clues are absolutely indispensable adjuncts to all criminal operations and in the borden case they were omnipresent everybody seemed to have a suggestion to offer around the police headquarters there congregated all kinds of men including a number of cranks those of the latter class who could not report in form sent in their contribution by mail until marshal hilliard's death was piled high with curious and original documents but the police themselves worked night and day and kept their doings as secret as possible under the circumstances before two days passed the press all over the country began to assail the work of the officers and it was kept up with a vigour worthy a better cause undoubtedly this criticism was brought about by the fact that the twenty-five or more newspaper men who interviewed the marshal daily or said they did gleaned the fact that he harboured the suspicion that a member of the family had committed the crimes but it was clear to all who wished to see it that he paid as much attention to hunting down outside clues as he did in pursuing his inquiries in the other direction the more plausible clues were diligently followed a theory which gave promise of good results was as follows on tuesday before the murder about nine o'clock in the morning a horse and buggy turned into second street out of spring street and came to a halt in front of the borden house a young man who was employed near by sat in his buggy which stood opposite the house and was facing south he took the trouble to watch closely the two men who occupied the buggy one of them got out and rang the doorbell mr borden answered the call and the stranger was admitted in about ten minutes he came out and resumed his seat in the buggy and the pair drove off in the direction of pleasant street this circumstance was considered of importance when it became known that the police had information of another person who had seen a strange man about the premises a boy named kirouac at the time of his trip down second street this man gave a most rigid examination by the police and he stuck to his story this clue was effectually disposed of by the authorities who found another person who was with kirouac at the time of his trip down second street this man gave a particular story of his movements that morning and denied that young kirouac had seen a suspicious character adjoining the yard of the borden place is the house occupied by dr chagnon on the evening in question the physician was unexpectedly summoned away and asked dr collett if as a favour he would allow the latter's little son to attend to the telephone during dr chagnon's absence the boy was absent and dr collett sent his daughter to dr chagnon's resident but upon her arrival the doctor had departed and the office was locked the little girl decided to await the arrival of someone and sat down in the yard for that purpose soon the man who had driven the doctor away returned and the office was opened miss chagnon remained in the yard adjoining the borden place she was there at the time it was alleged the unknown man jumped the fence and she declares that she saw no one attempt anything of the kind but the fact that there was a considerable extent of barbed wire along its top was submitted in answer 
barbed wire necessitates careful handling and it was argued in support of the truth of the girl's statement and the falsity of the other story that the passage of a man over such a barrier would require such time as to render detection possible notwithstanding the fact that mr morse had clearly established an alibi there were those who insisted that he knew more of the murder than he had made public proceeding on this theory the officers took up the task of investigating mr morse officer medley was given the work and in company with inspector hathaway of the new bedford police he discovered that mr morse had lived as before stated in dartmouth there was at that time a camp of itinerant horse traders in the town of westport it was related that mr morse had had dealings with these men and the sensational press soon coupled his name with a possible hired assassin a member of the gang of traders this story was given colour by the then unexploded story of young kirouac especially when it became known that officer medley had discovered a man who seemed to fit the description of the stranger alleged to have been seen around the premises this suspect was the head trader in the westport camp and when accosted he readily consented to come to fall river and surrender himself he succeeded in showing beyond a reasonable doubt that he was in the city of new bedford at the time of the borden murders within a few hours after the murder was reported a detail of police was sent to guard the house the policy was kept up for more than a week and as early as friday morning the officers on guard had instructions to keep the mrs bordens john v morse and bridget sullivan under the strictest surveillance and not allow either of them to leave the city if they left the premises they were followed the medical examiner the marshal and the officers at work on the case were constantly coming and going about the house and while it may have appeared to them that the problem was in a fair way of solution the public was getting more and more hopelessly involved in the mass of stories which were circulated from day to day the letter which was alleged to have been received by mrs borden on the morning of the tragedy continued to excite public interest once a week the new york journal offered a reward of five hundred dollars for the writer of the note and the fall river news implored its readers to unite in one in one effort in the cause of justice and if possible find the note and deliver it into the editor's hands the missive however was not found miss lizzie a borden seemingly put an end to that theory when she told dr dolan that she had attempted to find the note and being unsuccessful she feared it had been burned in the kitchen stove not one of the household seemed to be able to give more than a general idea of the contents of the note it was from a friend who was ill but as neither the friend nor the note could be found by the united efforts of the police and members of the family the matter was dropped early in the investigation End of chapter seven